You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled The High Life, Part 5. Enjoy. Man's trying to figure this thing out. Man thinks we're running out of room and running out of time. Well, Jesus is coming, right? But he's made room for you. All right? So we want to we wanna receive from him and don't come ready to hear a lecture or a homily. Come ready to receive the living word of God. Because he's preaching all day long, isn't he? He's proclaiming who he is all day long. And I wanted to read that John chapter 1. Boy, this is so good. The, the next verse, verse 4, uh, actually, yeah, verse 4 says, In him, Jesus, was life. This is John chapter 1. Now listen to this verse, and the life was the light of men. Wow, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. We are light-sensitive people. We need light to live. The light that we need to understand who we are is Jesus. And he's shining because he wants you to have a very clear picture of who he is and of who he made you to be in your heart, all right? He wants to reveal himself to you more so today, that you can walk away from this time together this morning with a much clearer picture of your redemption, a much clearer picture of the new creation that he has made you in Christ. Don't expect things to be as they have been. You're changing. We're growing. It's, we're getting stronger each and every day. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing love, for your amazing life. And we're here this morning to be changed by you. We quit playing church a long time ago. We became the church. And we thank you that you are dwelling inside of us and that your light is is forming a clear picture on our hearts of who we are in you. And we thank you for that light shining brightly this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus Christ. We've been talking about this relationship that Abraham had with Jesus. And boy, is that something, huh? It's amazing. Most people don't realize that Abraham had an encounter with Christ. But Jesus tells us so, and the the Bible tells me so. What's that song? The Bible tells me so. Tells me so. Yeah. Hallelujah. So let's look at this some more. We're talking about the high life. We're talking about a life that's beyond any education you might have received, a life that's beyond anything you have ever known. It's this exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Religion has put up roadblocks to that uh, and, and, and tried to keep people away from the purpose of which Christ came, but we embrace it wholeheartedly. Oh, we want Jesus to be all that he is in our lives. So that's what we're doing here. We're embracing Jesus Christ. Let's go right to Jesus in John chapter 8, and we're going to see he talks about his buddy Abraham. You know, God called Abraham his friend. That's a term of intimacy. And if you study that term out, it's actually a covenant word. In other words, this is a man that I have have shed my blood for. This is a man that I've entered into a covenant with. This is a man I consider to be a part of my family now. He's my friend. He's my covenant. He's my covenant friend. John chapter 8. 
verse 40, excuse me, verse uh, 56. And this is Jesus talking. And man, we love, whoa, Jesus, let him talk in your life. Let him speak to you. Don't be afraid. He's never going to hurt you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to let you go. Everything he has for you is greater than you've imagined. Jesus says in John 8, 56, he says, your father Abraham rejoiced. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the Hebrew people, right? And they, every, all the Hebrews knew Abraham, right? He a, was a pillar of, of their history. Your father Abraham, verse 56 of John chapter 8, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. So Abraham was looking for Christ, wasn't he? See, you can't understand the Old Testament apart from the New Testament, but Jesus is saying, Abraham was looking for me. We saw that last week in Hebrews 11.10, right? That Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He, he grew up in his father's house, and Joshua 24.2 tells us his father, and I believe his grandfather, worshipped idols. They worshipped other gods. Abraham grew up among idol worship. But when he realized that there had to be more to life than this, right? And he began looking for Christ in his life. Boy, can I relate to that. I grew up where people prayed to statues. And I thought, something's wrong with this. They're looking to a ceramic figure on their shelf. There's got to be a real God out there somewhere. Right? And I walked away from the tradition that I grew up in because I was looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And Hebrew tells us that Jesus is what Abraham was looking for. So Jesus says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Now, this is, they can't understand this now. Here's this 30-some-year-old man telling them that he, he and Abraham met. And they say, the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, right? <laughs> and you have seen Abraham? Wow. You're not in the, what is it, AARP? And you've seen Abraham? You can't even get a discount at Wendy's, and you're telling me you've seen Abraham? Verse 58, Jesus said to them, most assuredly. Boy, you can live a life with assuredness. That seems like an elusive fairy tale to the world. I can live my life in security with assurance because I'm in Christ. In the midst of this unsure world, we're sure people. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want you to log this in your hard drive. Before Abraham was, I am. All right? Now let's go to Hebrews chapter 7. Before Abraham was, I am. That's the God we serve, the one who, who's fresh and vibrant and alive 10,000 years ago, today, and forevermore who never gets weak, who never gets tired, who never has to read a book to know what to do. He's perfect in wisdom. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. Let's read some more about Jesus and Abraham. We're going to read now about Melchizedek. We talked about him last week. Melchizedek, chapter 7 of Hebrews, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, which means from shalom, wholeness, peace, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, 
returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. So Melchizedek meets Abraham after this significant victory in Abraham's life. Right? A real Abraham had a real life significant problem and God showed up and Abraham meets him to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. And we're mindful that this is 430 years before the stone tablets, right? 430 years before the Ten Commandments. Levi wasn't born yet. The Levitical law wasn't there. The Levitical priesthood didn't exist, right? Still in the loins of Abraham, right? So Abraham did what he did not out of law, out of love, for Jesus. He was looking for Jesus. Jesus delivered him, showed up in his life, and he gave to Jesus. That's why we do this every Sunday. We worship God with our money. It's good to understand this. And I, I spend time with that because we want to come out of religion into relationship. I want God to be involved in every decimal of my life. Amen. Every comma and every decimal. Thank you, Father, to whom he gave a tenth part of all, first being translated, talking about Melchizedek's name, king of righteousness. Only one could be that, right? The king of righteousness. And then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace. Irene in the Greek, shalom in the Hebrew. Only one could be that, king of wholeness. Now look at verse 3, without father. That doesn't mean his father left him. It means he had no father. Without mother, doesn't mean his mother ran out on him. He had no mother. means he was never born. You following me? Without genealogy. Who are we talking about here? Sure. If only one fits this description, right? Having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God remains a priest continually. Verse 4, now consider how great this man, Jesus Melchizedek, was. Let's do that. Let's consider how great is Jesus. How great is this man, Jesus, who came into earth to meet with Abraham? How great do you have to be to have no mother, no father, no beginning of days and no end of days. How great do you have to be to have no beginning and no end? This is Jesus, right? How great do you have to be to always be and to always have been and to forever be? That's perfect power, isn't it? Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I have no mother. I have no father. I have no genealogy. I have no beginning. I have no end. I am. I am is in our presence this morning. How great is this man? How great is this God that we're serving? Verse 15, same chapter. And it is yet far more evident 
If in the likeness of Melchizedek there ariseth another priest who has come, not according to the law. Now, the writer of Hebrews is talking to the Hebrews, right? To the Israelites who were familiar with the Levitical priesthood. He's trying to get their eyes off of Levi and onto Jesus, a new priesthood. Well, really, it proceeded. It's an old and a new priesthood, right? It was before Levi and after. Who was come, now listen closely, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. Not according to the power, to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. How much power is required to have an endless life? I sometimes just spend time thinking about the God who saved me, about this God who never grows weary, about this God who's never had to uh, improve his awareness of anything, this God who's never has to come up with an answer for a question. I, I, I need this I am to be involved in my life. He, he never grows weary. He's living the power of an endless life, and he's living inside of you. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. There's a healing right there for somebody. You've got to be alert. I'm telling you the Holy Spirit is here. Reach out. Receive what he has for you. If you're looking for a printed agenda, you're going to miss it. God wants to make you whole. He's got, he wants to meet your needs right here, right now. But boy, you've got to realize that and keep your heart open. Be ready to receive from him. Hallelujah. There are people pushing against Jesus and not getting anything. Can you imagine that? Right? He's in a crowd in Mark chapter 5. Multitudes around him, bumping against him, pushing against him. But there was just one woman, right, who touched him in a very different way. And the significance in her touching is what she kept saying to herself. If I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. What were the other people saying? Wow, look at this guy. This is the guy everyone's talking about. Oh, let's go see. Let's go see what he's all about. Let's touch him. Oh, well, I touched him. But they didn't get anything. She said, if I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. If I touch him, I'll be whole. In fact, I don't care. Well, I've spent all the money I have on physicians that couldn't help me. I'm not allowed out in public. I'm shunned. I'm in pain. I've been suffering and bleeding for 12 years. But if I touch him... I'll be whole. If I touch him, touch him right now. Most assuredly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Because he is, I am, we are healed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for it. Verse 15. If, the, if you're not understanding kind of how we're flowing, stay, stay with us. You'll grow in this understanding. It's a new way of living. We're flowing with the Holy Spirit. I don't always have time to explain everything that we do, but eventually we will. All right? We're just going to go with what, what the Lord is directing us to do. Verse 15. And it is yet. You know, Jesus didn't explain himself to everybody. 
all right? And, and there are times I love creating sound arguments with, with logical premises, and I love examining things and inspecting, and, and I love, you know, researching. But there are times you, 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 when God just speaks, and, and that's your opportunity. You've got to grab it. All right? This is not an intellectual exercise. God gave us our intellect. It's a wonderful thing, but we live by our spirits. All right? So we've just read it. Be be quick in here. Be ready to receive in here because we're going. We're going forward. Verse 15, and it's yet four more according to the power of an endless life. Excuse me, verse 16, according to the power of an endless life. So Jesus says to the people uh, that, that, are, that are ridiculing him, I am. And we know that God said that, right, to, to a man, Moses, who was probably pretty discouraged at that point in his life, right, had been hiding out in the desert for 40 years, ran from God's calling on his life, and God appears to him. And he says, Moses, he said, I've, the calling I have on your life hasn't deteriorated. The promises I have for you are as sure as my name I am. Can you grab a hold of that for your own life? It's not too late. The calling that God has for you is not deteriorated, hasn't, hasn't weakened at all. And maybe you think things haven't happened like they should have, and because they haven't happened, it's over, but it's not over. God is still I am. And he can take what, what would take 10 years to happen, he can make it happen today. So he said to this discouraged man who was 80 years old, hiding out in the desert, and who maybe even uh, had suppressed his calling for so long, he, maybe it was even subconscious at this point. But God said, Moses, I want you, the same calling I, I had on you when you were in the basket, when you were a basket case in your mother's basket on the river, that same calling is still alive, and I want you now to go to the king of the most powerful nation on earth, you, this shepherd living in the desert, and I want you to say to this powerful king, let God's people go. So you had to wonder what was Moses thinking. Well, okay, here I am hiding out in the desert, and uh, I probably smell like the desert, look like the desert, smell like sheep, and you want me to go stand before the most powerful king in the world and tell him to let your slaves go? Who shall I tell him sent me? (laughs) I mean, he said about Israel, who am I going to tell him? Your people are going to wonder who sent you. Like, what authority do you have? Why are you saying this to us? Who sent you? What shall I tell them, God? Most assuredly, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus was talking to him, wasn't he? In verse 14, Exodus chapter 3, says, God said unto Moses, I am, that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, has sent me unto you. I'm so glad he didn't give them a 3,000-page document to have them study. He gave them two words, I am. Tell them, I am sent you. Why did he just, why did, why did he say that? Why didn't he give them a 3,000-page document? Because all they needed to know was that he is, I am. In other words, he said, I'm the one who possesses the power of an endless life. The Israelites had a serious problem, wouldn't you say? 
Right? They were severely oppressed for generations by, by perhaps the most powerful nation on earth. They were in, in literal bondage and slavery. Right? Their bodies, I'm sure many of them were sick, and diseased, malnourished, broken. Their, their, probably their, their courage was gone. Their hope maybe was gone. They, they, they heard at some point probably they were God's people. But where has he been? We've been, we've been in bondage for generations. They, they began calling out to him. They got there, by the way, because of their own stubbornness. Not, it was not God's will. Right? And they, when they called out to him, he was already preparing a deliverer for them. So they had this significant issue, right? We all have issues. They had an issue. And God says, I am. In other words, they they need to know that the power required to deliver them has been given to them through you, Moses. They've got a problem that requires the power of an endless life to fix. So tell them I am. In Vine's Expository Dictionary, it tells us a little bit about this word, hava, for I am. It's the verb to be. And what's interesting about this verb, especially is in the context that it's used. Here we have God speaking to to their issue they've had for generations. And it says that when this, when this verb is used in the context, it also it communicates the dynamic forces behind and within the action. It declares the actual release of power so that the accomplishment is assured. It recognizes God's intent to accomplish the pronounced result. So God is saying, I am. He's saying, who I am it is I, I, I am revealing to you my will for your deliverance. I am your deliverance. I am your salvation. I have the power of, of endless life in me, and it is my will to employ my power on your behalf and to set you free. I am. I have the power to deliver you. It's my will to do so. It, 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 go and tell them that. His very name declares the release of his power. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Earth, wind, and fire, baby. His very name declares, we didn't even practice that. His very name declares the actual release of his power so that his deliverance, that your deliverance is assured. So because Moses, because I am is sending you, their deliverance from Pharaoh is assured. This is the high life. The name of Jesus guarantees your salvation. That's what his name means. If you study out Yeshua, it's powerful. It was Joshua in the Old Testament. Yeshua, Jesus, but boy, I, I've done studies on that name over the years. And boy, it, 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 you can literally say that his name means this. God saves me now. God heals me now. See, this is the difference between religion and what we've got. God says, I, I am your deliverance. I am your provision. I am your joy. I am your strength. Who I am is given freely to you. 
When God reveals his name, he reveals to us his will for our deliverance. I am. I am. I am. Jesus made several I am statements in his ministry. Let's look at some of them. In the book of what we read one already in John 8, right? Before Abraham was, I am. Let's look at some more. And as we're grabbing a hold of this, I don't know that I'm quite getting it across. When God says I am, he's referring to you. He doesn't reveal himself for his own benefit. <laughs> he reveals himself for your benefit. Right? He's not I am because he wants to be I am. He's a I am because he loves you. He wants to give freely of himself to you. Your mistakes have not disqualified you from his provision in your life. He has freely given himself to you, free from our perspective. John chapter, let's see, let's go to John chapter 6, verse 35. I am. There it is. I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread of life. He wants you to daily feed on him. Let's feed on him right now. Have you ever been very tired and you had a good meal and how refreshed you felt? After that, I want you to be refreshed when you leave here today. Feed on I am. He is the strength and deliverance and healing that you need, and it is his will to provide it for you. I am the bread of life. You can't get any more intimate than that. He said that knowing we eat bread, right? He's saying, I want you to take who I am on the inside of you. I want you to digest the reality of the power of an endless life. I want you to live in the power of an endless life. I am. Chapter uh, 8, verse 10 and, and, and at this point, it's important to understand the context of this. The religious people are accusing this woman of adultery. They're ready to stone her to death, and they're waiting to see what Jesus would say. And in verse 10, when Jesus raises himself up, well, before this, he said, well, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. And these religious experts dropped their rocks and walked away. And he stands up, and he says to the woman, woman, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. What does this have to do with I am? Keep reading. Then Jesus, right after this freedom from sin, this freedom from condemnation, what's the next thing that comes out of his mouth? I am. Woman, I'm the freedom you have been looking for. I am who I am sets you free from the bondage of sin. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. Sin is darkness, right? But shall have the light of life. He loves this woman. He loves those religious people if they were just stuck around, right? But they walked away because he didn't do what they thought religion should have done, right? But he says, I am the light of the world. Same chapter, verse 23. You read, we'll have time to go through the whole chapter, but here they are, they've had it with Jesus. These religious people are criticizing him, ready to, to, to do away with him. They think he's lost his mind. He says, you are from beneath. 
I am from above. You are of this world. I'm not of this world. I've got no mommy. I've got no daddy. I've got no genealogy. Right? I have no beginning. I have no end. Verse 24, therefore I, said, therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am. Now, some of you may have translation that says, I am he. He is not in the Greek. Literally, it says, you will die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. That's how the text reads. Some of your translations might put he in, he in italics because that's not in the Greek. All right? For you do not believe that I am. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I am. Right? You will die in your sins. Only the power of an endless life can set us free from sin. There is no 10-step program that's going to set you free. It may help you for a little while, but to truly be free, totally free, Jesus free, you need the power of an endless life. Only the power of an endless life can turn an adulterer into a saint. Right? All of us were sinners. All of us fell short. And, and the power of an endless life has transformed each one of us from sinners into saints. We're holy people now. We have power over sin. We walk in the power of an endless life. John chapter 10, verse 9, I am the door. Right? He's revealing what he wants to do in your life. When he says, I am, don't, don't put him off on a shelf. He wants to come close to you. When God says, I am, he's revealing to you what he wants to do in your life. I'm the bread of life. I want you to feed on me. Right? I'm the light of the world. I want you to let me illuminate your path in life. I want to show you who I am and who I made you to be. I am the victory over your sins. I am the victory over your shortcomings. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pastor. Nothing more inviting than a beautiful entrance into a home, right? Jesus said, I'm the door. I'm inviting you to come in into a relationship with me. Let me give you the power of an endless life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. What is he doing? Inviting us to let him be the shepherd of our lives. When he says, I am, it's an invitation. He's saying, this is who I am, and this is who I want to be to you. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. If you're wondering if you've asked God for too much, there's your answer. No, you haven't, right? Doesn't religious give us an idea? Well, you already asked God for something last week. But what did Jesus kept saying throughout his ministry? Ask. It will be given to you. Ask, right? God wants you to ask. You can't exhaust him with your asking. You can't. Didn't Jesus use the example of the unrighteous judge? Then the woman wore out the unrighteous judge by asking. Well, God's not like that, right? But he's just saying even men will respond to constant asking. Right? Our, but our father is good. He's the good shepherd. He wants you to come, and he wants to be your provider. John eleven twenty five. 25, I am the resurrection and the life. We need the resurrection life, the endless the power of an endless life in us. Jesus is inviting you to experience the resurrection power that only he 
provides. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine dresser. John 15, 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever, uh, he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What is Jesus doing? He's inviting us to come and be one with him. So life, this high life is about being, not doing. I'm so glad that God said I am. That's a first person of to be, right? And you'll find as you surrender to Jesus that he's not so much about all the things you have to do that he wants to reveal to you who you are in him. So this high life is lived and is all about being and not doing. And that's a big shift in our thinking. Nicodemus was trying to figure out Jesus, right? In John chapter 3, here's an expert in the law, right? An expert in religion. And he's watching this Jesus operate, and he can't figure out how he's doing what he's doing. And he comes to Jesus in John chapter 3, verse 1, and he He's a ruler of the Jews. We'll go to verse 2. He comes to Jesus by night. You can imagine probably he was ashamed to be seen with him. or He he was an expert in the law, and he's coming to this guy that people are criticizing. Maybe he didn't want his religious peers to know that he actually wanted to learn from Jesus. So he comes to him in the dark, right, at nighttime, doesn't want to be seen. And he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no man can do. So where's his focus on the doing, right? Very important. Religious, religion will always put your focus on the doing. God's on the being. No man can do these miracles that thou do except God be with him. Look what Jesus, Jesus trying to shift Nicodemus' focus from doing to being. He answers and he said to him, Verily I say unto you, except a man be born again. You can't do born again. You have to be born again. He cannot see, he cannot experience the kingdom of God. Verse 7, don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Man and religion put the emphasis on doing. Jesus will always put the emphasis on being. It takes the power of an endless life for you to be born again. We were born from above. It was the power of I am, the power of an endless life that made our spirits new. We must be born from this power of an endless life. And that's what the high life is about. You know what man does? Man promotes self-improvement. And I want to read to you a quote that I thought, I thought was great. It was a church that posted it online uh, and I just thought it was excellent because it really highlights what we talk a lot about here at Highway Church. Highway Church, But man, you know, promotes self-improvement. Go to the self-improvement section and get the latest book to try and fix your life. And this is the quote, and I thought it was excellent. It said, and nothing will keep you from the grace of God like the faithless quest for self-improvement. Oh, that's so good. Sin will kill you, but religion will inoculate you 
against the only cure. I'm going to read that again. Nothing will keep you from the grace of God like the faithless quest for self-improvement. In other words, living life in your own strength, right? Trying to, get, trying to fix your own problems, trying to make your life better. That's what man, that's all man knows how to do. Sin will kill you, but religion will inoculate you against the only cure. This is what we're seeing in the, 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 the uh, tension between Nicodemus and Jesus, right? Nicodemus, do, do, do. How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you do that? Jesus, be, right? What, what, what steps do I need to take, Jesus, to do what you're doing? Be born again. Be made new. Oh, I can't do that. No, you can't. You've got to put your faith in I am. You've got to be made new through the power of an endless life. Right? So what religion does inoculates you. It keeps you from experiencing the power of an endless life because its focus is on what you do. All right? Here we focus on who we are in Christ. If you will simply realize who you are in Christ, right, your actions, the actions you need will begin to blossom from who you are right? It doesn't mean we don't do anything. It means what we do blossoms from who we are. You see the difference, right? We focus on who we are, and we just begin to burgeon and blossom, right? And, and, and the, the actions that need to be taken naturally grow out of who we are. It becomes this life of grace, right? Flowing in the unforced rhythms of His grace. That's when you discover that His yoke is easy and that His load is light. So our identity comes from being, not from doing. What do, what do people ask you when they may first meet you? What do you do? That's man's focus, right? Does anyone ask that, who are you? Or, right? Very rarely. Usually it's, what do you, what do? You do? That's you know, just a casual thing to say, but still, that's really where people's focus are. I want to know what you do. Right? I want to try and relate to what you do instead of who you are. Hallelujah. So the answer to any issue that you have is not through your doing, but through your being. You'll find the solution to your problems in this world does not come from what you have to do, but from realizing who you are. So more than anything, God wants to shine his light onto your heart so that you'll know who you are in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Now we're going to touch on this. Oh. We're going, to, we're going to, I think, wrap up this series next week, High Life. Growing in this reality of who we are. And it's, it's so good. It's all I can do not to share it with you now, but don't miss next week. But we're going to touch on it right now. We're going to finish in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. See, we've got to understand God's motive. He's not a manipulator. He's not a deceiver. He's a perfect father. And it's my desire as a father to, to see my children grow and become the people I know God made them to be. How much more God? So, you know, understand, God's got, got this agenda to unveil the real you. <laughs> 
And, and, and boy, he's got to cut through a lot of wrong concepts, maybe a lot of ideas we've developed for ourselves over the year, the things that people have labeled us with, right? And God wants you to know, he says, you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I have a great purpose for your life. You're not a failure, you're a success. You're a chosen race, you're a holy people, you're a priesthood, and you belong to me. And, and so in Ephesians chapter 1, this is probably the best prayer you could pray for anyone and it's verse 17, and Apostles Paul's praying for believers. And he says, that The God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And knowing God, it's all by revelation. It's not by intellect. And I know that's, that can be shocking. And you, can, you can really learn a lot through your intellect, but you can't know him. It's a spiritual reality. You've got to have the eyes of your heart open by the Holy Spirit. So you've got to pray for people in that way, that the eyes of their heart will be open. Now, verse 18 in the Amplified says, By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. Have you ever been in a situation, you're talking to a person, they've been presented with the truth, and you just can't understand, why don't they see this? They've heard everything they need to hear. It's so obvious, but they're, they're just going in the wrong direction. They've chosen the wrong thing. There's a spiritual battle going on there, right? There's darkness that needs to be penetrated in their heart with the light of Christ by having your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope, the confidence to which he's called you and how rich is his glory, glorious inheritance in the saints. In verse 19, and so that you can know and understand the immeasurable, unlimited, surpassing greatness of His power in you, for you, who believe, as demonstrated in the working of His mighty strength. Before Abraham was, I am. The power of an endless life is residing in every believer, but so many don't know it. Open our eyes today, Father. Now, I, we, Jennifer and I didn't know. We ended up seeing Debbie and Dennis last night. We didn't plan it. And I already was going to sh- share Ephesians 1, 17 through 20. Right before we, they were getting ready to go and they left, she just shared something from the Lord. She, said, oh, she was so excited. I said, what? She said, Ephesians 1. I said, 1, 17, 18? She said, yeah. She said, well, I just read about the, having the eyes of your heart flooded with light. I said, really? And she brought out the Greek word there. But but the flood with light, um, I think it's like fotizo, I don't remember. Fotizo or something like that. That's where we get our word photograph from. And we have, uh, Judy, where's our photographer back there? (laughs) Who uh, understands a lot about photography. But it's really uh, uh, what God wants to do in our heart. In other words, in photography, an image image is recorded onto light-sensitive material, Right? And I, you ever see those old black and white films when they get under the hood, yeah. like the little rascals, you know, and, and what do they do? They, they expose that light-sensitive material to a burst of light, right? And that records an image. Well, our heart is light-sensitive material, right? So God says, I want the light of who I am to record an image on your heart of who you are. So when you're fellowshipping with God, when you're meditating on his promises, light is recording an image on your heart of who he is and of who you are in him. 
And, it, and it's, it's breaking away all that garbage that built up over the years, the wrong image that you've had of yourself. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So next week, we're going to go deeper in this. Don't miss it. You need to know who you are in him. Thank you, I am. You're great. We thank you for who you are living in us. The power of an endless life flowing through us. As the scripture said, he who believes in me, from his belly shall flow rivers of living water. We thank you for rivers of living water flowing through us and impacting everyone we meet. Hallelujah. Father, we ask you right now, by your spirit, to flood the eyes of our heart with your light. That the image of who you are and who we are in you will be permanently recorded on our hearts. Expose our hearts to the light of Jesus Christ. That a portrait of you would be there. That a portrait of us walking with you would be there. That nothing could take away. That we would walk away from this time together today seeing ourselves walking with you as new creations in Christ Jesus. Thank you for it, Father. Your joy is the strength of our lives. You are I am. And because you are I am, we are new. We're new people living a new life, the new destiny. And we're going all the way in you. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life he came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.